Good morning. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. If you're visiting with us, you are our honored guest. I understand we had uh, almost 100 at our 8.30 worship service. And usually we have about a third of our congregation watching online, worshiping with us online. If you're worshiping with us online, we welcome you. In our services this morning, uh, Brother Jordan Coates is going to be leading our singing. Brother Chris Beard has the opening prayer. I think Brother Ben Mooney will do the scripture reading. And Brother Ken has the lesson. Jerry Ligon has the uh, Lord's Supper. And Jerry Barrett will have our closing announcements and prayer. Our brother Tommy Barragona is going to have a medical procedure this week. Would you bow with me? We'd want to have a special prayer for him today. Our loving Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your blessings. We pray your special care to be with Brother Tommy this week as he goes through his medical procedure. We pray that all will go well with him and he can be totally restored to good health. We pray that you'd be with us this morning and accept our worship to thee. In Christ's name, amen. There is a friendship register on each pew. Uh, we would like to get a record of everyone's attendance. Would you uh, please sign that and we'll pick them up after services today. Brother Jordan. First song this morning will be I Walk With The King. I walk with the King to heavenly land, the kingdom of
You bow with me, please. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together this morning. Father, we pray especially that we are allowed to do so unmolested. Father, we pray a special prayer for all those worldwide who are doing so at peril of imprisonment or loss of their own life. We pray that you will especially be with them, strengthen them, give them comfort and guidance. Father, also we want to pray for those among us today who are uh, having procedures done, especially Brother Tommy. We pray that you'll be with the doctors and the nurses that are attending to them. We pray that their outcome will be successful and they will be able to enjoy a measure of health. Father, we pray also for those who are homebound, sick, be with them and help them to recover and that they may return to their most wanted places in life. Also, Father, be with those who have lost loved ones. Comfort them as only you can. Father, we pray for our leaders, both local and federal and especially worldwide. Father, we pray that they will all look to you for guidance. Father, we pray that this world may turn to you and understand that you are the true and living God and live in such a manner. Father, we pray that you will be with us as we go through this lesson that's about to be brought before us. We pray that our hearts and minds will be opened and we will take it in and live it before others. We ask you to go with us, guide us, and keep us near thee. In Christ's name, amen. The invitation song after the lesson this morning will be softly and tenderly. Before the lesson, we're going to sing Anywhere is Home. Uh, if you would like to, please stand as we sing this song together. <clears throat> Earthly wealth and fame
If you'll turn to 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far away, exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Good morning to you. Isn't it an extraordinary day today? Now, Ken, it's gloomy out there. It might be, but isn't this the day the Lord has made? And we're going to do what? We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. So, (laughs) I'm imagining there are a lot of smiles under those masks today. You could see Jimmy. Jimmy's got one of those masks, has a permanent smile on it. But then she is a permanent smile sort of person, isn't she? Thank you all for being here today. We had a great gathering this morning out there in the parking lot. Uh, It didn't rain. We were thankful for that. And, you know, watching that hurricane come up, we didn't really know how things were going to work out. But God is so good, and He's made today just a terrific day. So... Thank you for being here and for all that you bring to our gathering together. You know, part of the extraordinary event of gathering on the first day of the week, aside from worshiping God, is that we get to see one another. We get to spend just a little bit of time with one another. And that feels so good. Thank you for making that a priority in your life. Today's lesson primarily has to do with the unseen. But I want to be more specific because there are a lot of things related to God that are unseen and are themselves extraordinary. But today I want to talk specifically about faith itself and about how that faith is able to fortify our lives, how it's able to inspire, confidence in us and how it imparts knowledge. We're going to get all of that from this text here today. Before we start it, let's pray that God will bless us in our study and that he'll use us to really propagate his message this week. Please bow with me. Father, thank you for the privilege that we have to be assembled here this morning. And thank you that we have these avenues by which we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Now, Father, we are worshiping you in the study of this word. I pray that as we meditate upon it, that it will do exactly what you intended it to do from the very time it was first spoken and written on a page. And that you will help us, Father, to be able to tap into the unseen that we can be the people of faith that you've always known we could be. Lord, thank you for what your word does to give us insight into the world that is around us. I pray that you will help me to communicate it, and I pray for our listeners that they'll hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. The world into which... This message was given, especially that little segment that was lived in by the Corinthian brethren, was was a segment of the world that was inundated with the philosophies of men. A philosophy is, well, you could say it is the love of knowledge. But in this case, 
it, it wasn't the love of the knowledge of God. It was the love of men's knowledge. And as many men as there are, there is a varying degree to which knowledge is held. So it just depends on who you're talking with as to which philosophy you might be following. And Corinth was inundated with just about every type. Paul had already talked about that problem in the book of 1 Corinthians at chapter 1, beginning at verse 20. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God stronger than men. The philosophy of men. You know what that does for us? It gets us in a lot of trouble. The knowledge of men and its varying degrees, that gets us in a lot of trouble. In particular, let's be specific, it gets us into a sin problem. Because if we're not on God's path, listen, we're on the wrong path. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 10, verse 23, Jeremiah talked about that. Oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. I am not capable of providing a way by which I can save myself. And directly to that point is another statement that's found in the book of 1 Corinthians. It's at chapter 6 and begins at verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor so homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The philosophies of men had gotten men in general in trouble, into sin problems. Here's what God said about that. This sin problem that you have, it's going to keep you from entering the kingdom of heaven. Some people had heard that message and they had responded to the gospel that was preached. And they were washed and sanctified and justified. They were made pure by the gospel of Jesus Christ so that despite the fact that sometime in their lives they had fallen prey to the leadership of the philosophies of men and they repented of that. And now instead of being barred from entrance into the kingdom, now they're able to go boldly into that kingdom. Sin is a problem that has to be dealt with. Sin was a problem in the first century. Sin continues to be a problem in our time. The only remedy for that sin is going to be obedience to the gospel. And the only thing that opens the door to the gospel is faith or belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that text says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That faith that is developed is going to result in a confession, a change of heart and mind. It's going to result in a commitment to, not the philosophies of men, but to that of God, which is very, very different. In fact, he would go on to say with emphasis upon the Word of God in Romans chapter 10 at verse 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith developed as a result of adherence to the Word of God. What will that get me? You know, if I have faith, 
what benefit comes as a result of that abiding faith in me, say, contrasting it with adherence to a philosophy of man? Well, for one thing, I can promise you that faith is something that will fortify your life. Here's a true thing about life, and maybe you've already experienced it. If you have not yet experienced it, just wait around. It's coming. I hope it's, I hope it's a little dose. But too many times it just seems to come in a flood. And that is troubles and trials. You know the Bible encourages us to face those troubles and those trials with faith. Here's something that Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 14 at verse 1. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. And then this. You believe in God, believe also in me. Always thought that that was an interesting turn on a concept. Jesus is talking with his disciples about the fact that he's soon to depart from them. He's going to die on the cross. And, you know, essentially, he's going to leave them in charge of saving the world through the gospel. He said, don't worry about that. Because you already have something in you that is going to benefit you as you go about this work. You do believe in God, don't you? And, of course, they would all say, well, of course we do. You know, if we didn't, we wouldn't be following you. Well, since you believe in God so deeply, in fact, think about it, they believed in God so much they were willing to leave everything behind to follow Jesus. So you believe in God, don't you? Yeah, we sure do. Then Jesus says, believe also in me. Transfer that absolute confidence that you have in God the Father, the one who brought you this far, and then make that the commitment and the dedication that you're going to make to me. Just as you have followed the Father, now you can follow me. Just as you've trusted Him, trust me. I'm telling you, this is going to work. In the book of James, James goes so far into the practicality of the fact you are going to experience trials that he even goes this far, James chapter 1, beginning at verse 2, he said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect worth, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James says, you've got faith, trust the Lord. Okay, yeah, we trust. Well, you know, you're going to have trials. Just let me lay it on the table right now. First and foremost, you are going to face trials and tribulation. There are going to be troubles in your life. Now ask yourself this question. As much as you trust God in the good and easy times, are you going to trust Him in those tough trials? The answer should be yes. And not only yes, but I'm going to have joy and celebrate this trial. Ken, have you lost your mind? <laughs> no, I haven't. Because he says that even when we go through those, there is the development of the blessings of God. Here's what I want you to understand about your life. It's going to end. Let that just sink in for a minute. You're going to live, and then you're going to die. Think about history. Go, go back to the very beginning and look at some of those genealogies. You know, through the book of Genesis and, and other texts, but I'm just thinking about it right now for this point, is that often it will mention a name and then it will say, well, he begat so-and-so, and then he begat so-and-so, he begat so-and-so, he begat so-and-so. You're like, wait, stop there for a second. What did those guys do? I don't know. They lived entire lives, some of them hundreds and hundreds of lives, uh, years in their life, and then they, well, they did what you're going to do. They died. They lived a period of time, we don't even know anything about them. And then they died. We're all going to do that. We're going to live, we're going to die. 
Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says that it's appointed for men to die once, and then after that, judgment. So you're going to live, really, I, I don't know. I, sometimes I go to a funeral. You say that person lived to be 90-some years of age. Question, how long should their funeral service be to highlight all the great experiences of their life? For 90 years? I'll tell you what it usually is, about 20 minutes. But it's basically about 20 minutes for a 90-year-old, 20 minutes for a 50-year-old. Twenty. Well, we just kind of fit whatever we've got into a short little period. We tell the tale, we bury them. You say, well, that didn't hardly tell the story. No, it didn't tell the story. You told the story in your life. That's all that mattered. And it doesn't matter if anybody remembers you or not. Because here's the thing. I'm going to live, and I'm going to die, and then I'm going to face the judgment. That's all that really matters. How I lived is now going to bear heavily on that judgment matter. You are, you are going to die. Ken, when am I going to die? I don't know. That's one of those uncertainties of life. James also is interesting in that he gives us a perspective on that that is right on. James chapter 4, beginning verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. There was a time when every Christian just about, when they talked about planning, said, well, if the Lord wills, we're going to go this or that. I don't hear that as much anymore. Maybe it's implied. I hope so. But more often than not, it's really forgotten. We've got our planners. We've got neat computer programs. We get notifications and warnings from those programs so that we won't forget. I kind of have an idea what's going to happen next week, but really I should think if the Lord wills, I'll even live and do this or that because my life could end today. Life is filled with all kinds of uncertainty. I don't really know what's going to happen. But what does matter is my commitment to the Lord. And when I face the uncertainties, whether it is a trial or trouble, whether it is approaching death even due to illness or injury, I can, because I have faith, I can actually, in the midst of all that uncertainty, have peace. In the book of Philippians, chapter 4, beginning at verse 6, it says to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in or through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. When will God be with me through these trials and troubles and difficult times as I am facing death and the uncertainty of life? When will He be there? He will be there always. But what am I doing during that time? Paul says meditate on these good things. Don't be dwelling on the minute details of troubles and trials. Because here's what you're going to do when you face those you are going to do what most people don't do. You are going to rejoice. And if in the midst of that you're like, Ken, I just, you know what, I'm trying to have joy in this, but I just, I don't get it. I don't, then pray for wisdom. You say, well, okay, okay. I'm going to trust God for this. Then if you'll do that, you're going to have that joy and it's going to be meaningful to you. 
If, though, in the midst of that, you kind of throw up your hands and you begin to doubt God, He says, don't even ask me. You know, you're like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Don't think that you're going to get anything from the Lord because you're double-minded. God help me to have my mind set on the Lord, to trust what He has to say about it, rather than what the philosophies of men or the media or uninformed un, uh, people will say around me. I'm going to trust God because faith is going to fortify my life. And you know when it's all over? Here's what I have to look forward to. Revelation 21 verse 4. I actually heard this mentioned in a funeral this past week. Here's what the Lord's going to do. He's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more pain, death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There'll be no more pain. For the former things, that's this stuff. It's all going to have passed away. It will mean nothing to us anymore. Right now, maybe it's bothersome. But one of these days, this will be inconsequential. The only thing that will matter is what I was doing in light of my relationship with God. Hopefully, I was fortified by faith in my life. And then faith also inspires some confidence. Man, I, I got this. Wait, how do you have this exactly? Well, notice the first little phrase or statement in this text from 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart. We trust God in the good times. We trust God in the bad times. When things are easy, when they are hard, I trust the Lord. We don't lose heart no matter what. And he talks about the physical being. Even though our outward body is perishing, he says the inward man is being renewed day by day. Oh, how I have learned that that is true. When I was a young man, as a friend of mine once said, when I was 10 foot tall and bulletproof, I used to think about this very little, if at all, or if I thought about it, it was because I was making fun of my dad or somebody older than me. When they would start complaining about the creaks in their knees and the popping of their joints and forgetfulness and all that, I'd just make all manner of fun about it. But you know... As you get older, you realize that wasn't really funny. Or at least it's not funny now. The outward body's perishing. The physical body, again, is headed to death. But what's on the inside? I, I can attest to this, young people, that as much as your physical body probably is your main emphasis right now, you're just like running around in a sports car with that young body. But one of these days, the mechanism that is running that is going to prosper. Your spirit is going to soar. And while your physical body may not be the number one anymore, your spirit will be stronger than ever. It is quite an irony that as the body begins to depreciate, it is the spirit that just thrives. And that's what Paul's talking about right here. And he said, you know what, I've gotten to the point in my life now that I'm not looking at the scene with my eyes, the temporary things. I'm looking, I'm seeing the unseen, those things that are eternal. And when that is your viewpoint, then you throughout your life, and maybe stronger as you get older, are ready for the fight, the fight for what is right constantly. Now... I'm, I'm thinking in particular about the battle that we wage against Satan constantly and the attitude that we are to have about it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exists itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having it a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I'm growing stronger spiritually. He says this battle is not physical, this battle is spiritual, which then lends itself to the idea I've got to keep my armor on. 
So I'm going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I'm going to put on the whole armor of God that I may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Get in there and fight! How am I fighting? By faith. Is my faith strong enough to fight? Faith is what will inspire my confidence. I trust God implicitly. And so I know He's going to be there with me. And I'm going to, I'm going to run into the fight. I'm going to be equipped with all those spiritual pieces of armor that He has promised me if I will dwell in His Word. And so as I'm dwelling in that Word and I'm praying, I'm being completely protected from that battle that I have joined, no matter what age I am. And I'm going to stand fast. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. And I'm going to watch chapter 16, verse 13. Stand fast in the faith, be strong, be brave. That's me. That's, that's you. That is faith that inspires confidence. But I know that faith also imparts some things. It gives us something. It imparts knowledge. You probably know this text. Pretty famous. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You hope for it. You have faith in it. You don't necessarily see it, but you trust it as real. And the reason you do is because God's given you the testimony. God says it, and I believe it. I don't see it, I believe it. A text similar to that is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, right? We walk by faith and not by sight. I see what's unseen. That's eternal. The family's house caught on fire. Nobody had been home except one young boy. And he panicked, so he ran upstairs. But the house started filling up with smoke. It really scared him. Somehow or other, he managed to get himself on the roof of the house. He thought he'd be safe there. But he wasn't. Because now the entire house was engulfed in flame. The smoke was billowing up around the edges of the house so that he could not even see the ground from where he was. And he heard a voice beneath him. Son, go ahead and jump. It was the only way this boy was going to be saved from a horrific death. I can't jump. I can't see you. Again, the voice from the father, panicked and wavering. Son, go ahead and jump! You've got to jump! Still the voice said, Dad, I, I, I can't see you! But the father could see his son. And now the background of red from the flames, see the silhouette, through the smoke. Son, please jump. No, Dad, I can't see you. But son, I can see you. And with that confidence, the little boy jumped into his father's waiting arms. Here's what I want you to know. That's you right there. I don't know what's gotten you up on the roof. But probably from where you are, 
you can't see the ground. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe it feels hopeless. Your Father is calling out to you. Jump. I see you. Be best for us to jump. Trust the Lord. Because He will always catch us. Interesting statement about faith in the book of John, chapter 20, verses 30, 30 and 31. Many of the signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. The entire book of John written for the purpose of developing belief in the reader. Everything, he says, was to that end, to develop belief in you. You could have belief in your heart, and you could be saved. But there's another passage, Luke chapter 8 and verse 12. I'll tell you, I was thinking yesterday, this is month of October, the 31st is Halloween, and typically with Halloween... The scariest things, right? Everybody's trying to scare children and adults. One of the things they try to scare people with is some kind of representation of the devil. And I'll tell you, some of these haunted houses around, they go to great lengths to damage you psychologically for the rest of your life. But... A lot of that is wrapped around the idea of the devil getting you. To me, the moment that we have right now, right here, this very moment right here, is more frightening to me than any haunted house I've ever been in. The reason why is because it is not a fake exercise in the activity of Satan. What is about to happen here will be a real attempt by Satan, according to Luke 8, verse 12, to take the Word of God out of somebody's heart so that they will not be saved. So we'll sing an invitation like many have heard hundreds of times and Satan will do the thing he has done over and over and over again. He will take the Word of God right out of your heart. And the reason that he'll do that is because he does not want you to be saved. Do not let Satan take God's Word out of your heart this morning. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you're ready to turn away from sin and repentance, confess your faith before this number, then on the basis of that and your belief in Him, you walk down that aisle unafraid, unencumbered by Satan's efforts to keep you in that pew. You make that confession, and we will bury you in water today so that you can be washed by the blood of Jesus as you die with Him in baptism and rise to newness of life. Romans 6, 3 and 4. Maybe you're a child of God today, but you know what? You, maybe you've just been giving lip service these past few months. You've, you've been overwhelmed with anxieties and fears, and it has gotten in the way of your service to the Lord. Today, why don't we repent of that? And why don't we make a renewed commitment to serve the Lord again, Satan will come right along and take out that commitment from your heart because he doesn't want you saved. Maybe there's something else we just need to pray about. If that's true for you, why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing this song. Jesus is calling Calling for you and for me. See on the board.
song before the Lord's Supper this morning we'll sing will be Thomas' song. <clears throat> If I could only hold 
Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Son, Jesus, who came to this earth and died on the cross so that we could have forgiven us of our sins. Father, let us now partake of this bread, which represents the body of our Savior, who died for us. And let us now take, partake of this in a way that will be well-pleasing unto Thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Also, Father, we thank Thee for this, the fruit of the vine, which represents the blood of our Savior, who died for us on that cross. Now let us also partake of this in the way to be well-pleasing unto Thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. They're part of the Lord's Supper, and we've been commanded to give on the first day of the week. Now let us pray. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this day and all the many wonderful blessings that You blessed us with. Father, we thank Thee for this country that we live in so that we can worship Thee without any fear of any harm. And also that we have our jobs to support our family and also the congregation. Now let us give back a portion of our means if we've been prospering. Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Not many announcements, really. Um, we did have uh, 96 this morning at the 8.30 service. 
And we have 150 right now. So I think that's 246 total. Again, we'll meet tonight at 5 uh, for Bible study. And uh, that's all the announcements I have. Of course, there's a, a whole lot of people in the bulletin to be praying for. Uh, so let's always remember them and make an effort to do that. So if you would, please pray with me before we are dismissed. And when we are dismissed, let's do so uh, carefully. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we've come together again today, we, we do so with such gratefulness and such reverence. Father, we know that we, we disappoint. Father, we know that we behave ungratefully. Father, we hurt each other. We become lazy. We become complacent. Father, you created us, each and every one of us. You love us more than, more than words can say. You give us more than we need. Father, you gave your only son. Father, may we never, ever forget these things. And may we always spread your word and bring more into thy kingdom. Father, we love you so much. And you, we know you love us, and we're so grateful for your son. And in his name we pray. Amen.